0: The movie Big Hero Six, you familiar with this movie? It's a really great movie. I think it's like a 2014 movie. And it's not just a fun movie to watch, it's a great movie because it talks about some interesting things. The movie has a lot to do with the idea of death. For example, Tadashi, who is the older brother of the main character Hero dies relatively early in the movie, just after he convinces Hero to stop wasting his life uh, on robot fights, but instead use his uh, intelligence for something useful and good. The antagonist in the movie, Professor Robert Callahan, he's doing what he's doing, stealing Hero's microbot technology because he wants revenge for the death of his daughter, Abigail. And then finally in the climactic scene of the movie, it turns out that Abigail is not actually dead. She's in hypersleep. And as Hero and Baymax, that lovable big robot there, uh, go to save Abigail, it turns out the only way for them to get back from where they are is for Baymax to die and to give up his life so that Hero and Abigail Uh, can live now not only does the movie deal with lots of death related things the theme song to the movie points in that direction as well so I want to show you a little clip that plays the theme song of the movie in the clip but watch very carefully what the words are we added the words so that you could read them would you roll this clip but I wanted you to sort of hear the song as it plays in the movie. Did you hear the line over and over again, Immortals, but not for long? That is actually a contradiction, Immortal, but not for long. And not only does the movie deal with living in the face of death, the theme song itself is about how do we make something of our lives in the shadow of death You can be immortal, but you only have a short window to do it. And the point of the movie is, is that given the reality of death, this is really the best advice that humans have to offer. You may as well do something with your life. Stop wasting your life and do something immortal that will outlive you, even though you only have a short period of time to do that in. I admit that is actually good advice, but it falls so far short of what God actually has to say in response to the question, how do we live in the shadow of death? And so this morning we want to talk through a better answer, what God has to say about the reality of death and God's gift to us in the face of that. I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter five. Genesis five in the church Bibles, it's page four. Genesis chapter five. This is what we call a genealogy. It's one of those sections of the Bible that we usually skip over uh, when we're reading through. But this genealogy is well worth paying attention to because the genealogy in Genesis 5 has a lot to teach us about what it means to live in the shadow of death. Let me begin reading in verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created the male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. This is a summary of what we saw in Genesis 1 and 2, the creation of humanity. Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. Now, I've read this statement very matter of fact, but this is actually quite a jarring statement. Let me read it for you again. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. Adam, Adam died. Adam, the one created by God, fashioned from the dust of the ground. Imagine how jarring this must have been to the people living on the earth at the time. Yes, Abel was murdered, but Adam actually dies of natural causes. Imagine how jarring this must have been as all these people look, but that's Adam. He's the first human being. And he dies. Death has a very jarring nature to it. Every single human being now realizes that death is coming for them. If Adam can die, not by the hand of someone else, but simply his life ends of its own natural accord, the theological concept of death now hits home in a very real way. I know some of you here have experienced the jarring nature of death. Maybe it's a parent who's died recently. Maybe you've lost both parents and you realize you're the next generation up. (laughs) Death is now coming for you at some point. It's very jarring. It's very shaking to think that the person who gave you life is no longer around. Maybe you've experienced the jarring nature of death and somebody younger than you dying. And you think, this is not the way life is supposed to be. People are supposed to grow old, they're supposed to be able to be fruitful and multiply, they're supposed to be able to go through life for however long most of us get to live and when you see someone die before their time it feels very jarring and i know some of you have experienced that some of you have even experienced it recently this is the reality is death it shakes us to our core it is the very antithesis of life and when adam dies we are reminded that death is this monster that shakes all things. There's another aspect to death besides its sort of jarring nature that's evident in this passage. I want you to listen for it as I keep reading. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. After he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. Do you hear it? And then he died, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. died. Not only is there a jarring reality to death, death also can have a sort of numbing, steady drumbeat of death. And then he died, and then he died, and then he died. One of the challenges being part of a large multi-generational church is there is rarely a week that goes by that somebody in this congregation doesn't lose a loved one. And that the church, we try to send cards or sometimes we send flowers or do different things. And I'm often signing bereavement cards or praying for people who've lost someone. And to be honest, sometimes it feels not jarring anymore, but just the steady drumbeat. And he died and she died and he died and she died and he died and she died. You can feel that way about COVID. We hear numbers of people dying all the time. And they're just numbers on a page it's a steady drumbeat of death or even with mass shootings or natural disasters the death toll is reported and it feels like there's just this numbing steady drumbeat of death so what does God have to say in the face of death both the jarring nature when it shakes you to the core and the steady numbing drumbeat, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Well, there are two people in this genealogy whose stories look very different than everybody else's. And from those two people, we can hear a message from God to us today in the face of the shadow of death. The first is Enoch. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now that's not what we expect at that point. At that point, we expect in the genealogy as we're following through, we expect it to say, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father Methuselah. After he became the father Methuselah, Enoch had other sons and daughters and lived X number of years. That's not what it says. It says instead of Enoch lived X number of years, Enoch walked faithfully with God. And here God is presenting us with a choice between living and walking faithfully with God. Well, what's the difference? My wife, Lisa, and I like to go on walks. In fact, we go walking pretty much every day. Uh, Whenever possible, we like to go on a walk. And when we do, it's really a great time. The two of us get to pray together. Uh, We get to talk about how things are going. We get to talk about what's happening in our day or what's going on in our family or whatever it may be. And when we're walking, we are together in a unique way. If one of us has to stop and tie their shoe, we both have to stop. If one of us wants to go this direction, we both go that direction. In fact, if you ever see us out walking, you may see sometimes occasionally an awkward dance as we get to a crossroads and try to figure out which way we're going. Sometimes I think I'm going one way and she's going another way. Sometimes neither one of us has an opinion. We kind of run into each other as we figure out, are we turning here? Are we going straight? What are we doing? Sometimes one has an opinion. We usually do that. But usually we're both just trying to figure out, okay, well, we're trying to go somewhere together. Where are we going? You may also see uh, sometimes when we get to a place where a, a car is waiting for us. I've noticed this just the other day when we were out for a walk. Lisa and I tend to do the exact opposite thing for the driver. Like she'll wave him on and I'll wave, thank you for letting us cross. And we kind of half cross. And, and I look at the poor driver who's just super confused and then we switch. And so I'm like, no, no, you go ahead. And she waves him on. It's just, it's this awkward dance, but it's, it makes the point. Whatever you do, you do together. Walking is a metaphor for living life together. Now, when it comes to God, Too many of us view God like sort of that elderly aunt that we may occasionally go visit. Maybe we even go once a week. And maybe when we go visit this elderly aunt, we even take her a present. We take her something we've baked or a gift or something. And maybe we might even spend a little bit of time with this elderly aunt, and we might talk to her about some of the stuff that's going on in our life that day we might even on occasion ask this elderly aunt for some advice about our life. But for the most part, our life is lived apart from this person. Some of our engagement with God is we just simply, we come and visit him once a week. We might bring him a present. We might on that day that we're here visiting him, tell him about stuff going on in our life. And we may even occasionally ask him for advice. But most of our life is simply lived without him around. To walk faithfully with God is to journey through life with God. If you stop to tie your shoe, God stops with you. If you get to a crossroads, you got to figure out where is he going so I can go with him or communicate where I'm trying to go so we can go there together. Walking with God is talking to God about all things, engaging with God in all sorts of ways, living life with God. There's a decision to be made. The two of you have to make it together. If there's a direction to go, you have to go together. If one of you can't make it, we have to stop together. The difference between simply living and walking with God is that Enoch journeyed his days with God at his side. And then look what it says, verse 23. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. It appears that one day when they were out for a walk, God said to Enoch, let's try this trail over here that we've never walked before. And they turned and went down that trail and walked into eternity. Enoch doesn't die. He walks with the Lord on into eternity. Now, unless Jesus returns, we're going to die. But this is a metaphor. When Lisa and I start a walk together, we always end our walk together. And the promise of walking faithfully with God is whenever that point comes, that death comes for you, when you are walking with the author of life, he just walks you through that moment on into eternity. So how do we live in the face of the reality of death? We are given a choice. You can either try to live and just live your life the best you can or you can walk faithfully with the author of life. And Genesis 5 is urging us, walk with God in the shadow of death. There's a second person in Genesis 5 whose story doesn't look like everybody else's story in the genealogy. That's Noah. Verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. Last week, we talked about a different Lamech. So the Lamech in Genesis 4 is a different person than this one. Same name, different person. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the reason Noah's story looks different than everybody else's story in here is it's a lot longer. You see, verse 32 is only the introduction to Noah's genealogy. Where's the rest of it? Where's the, and he died. Well, in just a moment, I'm gonna turn you to the rest of his genealogy. But as we're turning to chapter nine, I want you to glance at Genesis six, verse nine. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he what? Walked faithfully with God, just like Enoch. All right, turn over to Genesis 9. Verse 28. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and what? And then he died. This is Noah's genealogy. Chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, chapter nine. Why Noah's is so much different than everybody else's is his is a lot longer. This is the point that the movie Big Hero 6 is trying to make. Look, you only get one life. You may as well make something out of it. And when you walk faithfully with the Lord, Noah's genealogy can't fit in a few verses. What God accomplishes in and through Noah takes chapters to explain. And the encouragement is, is that when you walk with the Lord in this life, God will do in and through you stuff that will go beyond your life. All right, back to Genesis chapter five. There's one other thing about Noah that's different in his genealogy. And that is that Noah is given a name and a rationale for that name. Verse 29, Lamech named him Noah because he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Lamech is remembering that God made a promise to Adam and Eve that somebody who is a descendant of Adam and Eve is going to come and set us free from the curse of sin and death. And so Noah is named in hope, in hope that God will at some point do something about the reality of death. This of course is pointing us to Noah's great descendant, Jesus, whom God sends to suffer and die for our sins and to be raised from the dead so that we can have new life. I think it's interesting in the movie, Big Hero 6, the last scene of the movie is in many ways a return to life scene. Baymax, the robot, gives his life to save Hero and Abigail. His memory chip is saved And Hero is able to recreate the robot and implant in him his memories that he had before. It's a resuscitation, almost a resurrection-like event using technology. Noah too has a technological resurrection type event. The flood is going to come and it's going to wipe out all the peoples of the earth. And so God tells Noah to invent a boat, the first boat in human history, a piece of technology. And through that technology, Noah and his family are saved from death and they move from death to life. Both of these are pointing to another miracle that God is going to do. That's not technological, but divinely miraculous in which Jesus will be raised from the dead in a true resurrection. And God does this so that all who by faith accept Jesus can move safely through death into eternal life. What does God have to say in the face of the reality of death? He offers eternal life. He offers the gift of living with God forever. So what are we supposed to do with this? A couple of thoughts. Number one, I meant to point out with Enoch, but I forgot, so we'll go back there and do that. Notice how long Enoch lives. 365 years. That's less than half of everybody else. And the thing we want to take away today is, What should we do in the face of death? The goal is not to try to live as long as possible. Listen to what Isaiah 57 verses one and two say. The righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. Jesus died young. He died in his thirties. Enoch lives less than half of what everybody else around him lives. In fact, his son Methuselah lives longer than any human being ever lived on the planet, 965 years but we know nothing about Methuselah. We have no idea where he ended up, but we know where Enoch ended up because Enoch walked faithfully with God. What do we take away from the fact that death is coming for all of us? The goal is not to try to live as long as possible. I don't think you're going to beat Methuselah. The goal is to walk faithfully with God. And however many days he gives you, that is up to God. And the blessing of God is that when you are walking faithfully with him, death has no power over him. And the work that you do lives on into eternity. And as God walks with you, death cannot touch you until such time when God walks you safely through death into eternal life. Second, for those who are Christians here, you and I have a choice. You can either live life or you can walk faithfully with God. If you live life, you just get on with life. You come visit God occasionally. You might bring him a present. You might talk to him. You might even ask him for advice. That's good. Don't stop doing that. But there is something better on offer here. The problem with simply living life is that death is coming to walk faithfully with god is to journey through life with god at our side and yes it's sometimes awkward sometimes you get to a crossroads and you wonder where's he going how do i follow sometimes it feels like you bump into him sometimes you think like man we're walking farther than i think i'm going to be able to walk Sometimes it's harder this way, but the encouragement is if you walk faithfully with the Lord, death cannot touch you in this life or at the end. And whenever God decides it's time, he'll simply say to you one morning, hey, let's take a different path today. And it'll feel just like every other day and you'll find that you have walked with him through death on into eternity. Third, for those who are not yet Christians, please hear the ongoing refrain. And then he died. And then she died. And then he died. And then she died no matter what you do in life, no matter what you accomplish in life, the last thing that will be said about you. And then he died. Except for the fact that God loves you so much that he does not want that to be the final word for you. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place, raised Jesus from the dead, literally raised him from the dead so that this person who it said, and he died is now alive. He talked to people, engaged with people and is currently living in heaven. This is what God did so that, and he died is not the last word. And my encouragement to you is, why not have it said about you? And she died and God raised her from the dead and she lives forever with him. That's available to you today through the gift of God in Jesus. And all you have to do is accept that in the face of death, God sent his son, Jesus. And then he died and God raised him from the dead. And if you're willing to believe that, God will raise you too from the dead that you might walk with and be with Jesus forever. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.